It's the Locked on Canes podcast where it's all about the you. My name is Fred Purdue. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by my esteemed colleague here, Cam Underwood. What's going on, Cam? I'm a little aggravated today, but that's all right. Nothing to do with y'all. Vibing, chilling, hanging out, you know, everything. Uh, about to make some Kool-Aid, you know, red, the only good flavor of Kool-Aid. Of course. Uh, but yeah, how about you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's a, it's a nice little Friday. We, it's a happy new year. First off, I got to start it off like that. Happy new year, Cam. Um, you know. It's a great day in Kane's land. We've had we got some things to talk about, and so we'll kind of get we'll jump right into things today. So before we really kind of get into it, make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Canes. Make sure you go follow myself on Twitter at Lo- at Fred Purdue CFB. You can also find Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports. So Cam, we've had a happy New Year, and things are transpiring. We have players at the Under Armour All American Game. Great. We also have some players leaving. DJ Dallas. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's it's he's been a tough player, really good player. Maybe left a little early. Who knows? What you, what are your thoughts? I think that DJ Dallas made the decision that there was to be made. Um, you know, he's a running back uh, with three years of carries already in him, or on his uh, odometer, as it were. Uh, you know, that is a position with, you know, one of the shortest lifespans in football. So go and go to try to get your money. You know, he already has a kid. He just got engaged on Christmas uh, and everything. So uh, doing what he has to do for himself and his family. And, I mean, again, I think that that's the move to make. And if you want to extrapolate that even further, was he going to stick around for his third OC in four years? Who wasn't, you know, maybe tied to him because you do have some younger guys uh, with different talent. But, you know, it's you're going to stick around for maybe a guy who wasn't there to recruit you, wasn't there to really uh, be there on your behalf. So when you're looking at it from both sides, I think it was the decision uh, that was there to be made. It does leave a big hole on the roster, obviously, because he was our starting running back. He was uh, a dynamic, is a dynamic player. Uh, So I'm interested in seeing him used in a multifaceted way at the NFL level, running back, kind of receiver out of the backfield, maybe even in the slot and on uh, specials because he played on specials his entire career here. That could be as a returner or as a cover person. So I think that that is is probably his route to maybe making a roster and sticking around. But, yeah, I think that he did uh, what he needed to do, and I wish him well. I do, too. Uh, he was a very tough runner. I can't wait to see what he can do in the NFL. I think he'll have the ver- a similar impact as a guy maybe like a, a Gio Bernard. He'll be a nice change of pace back, a guy that can help you on special teams. Uh, 20, 25 carries a game. Probably not. He has the body for it, but I don't think he'll be able to do that. But he'll find he'll find his role very much also like a, a former Kane who hopefully he can keep his act together. Um, but like a Mark Walton, you can find a role for him, and he'll be a nice slashing back. I could see him in somewhere maybe like a Kansas City, a Chicago, somebody that already has a running back that uh, can – can do the job and be a workhorse back and he can just kind of change it up or in a committee of backs. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, football has gone away from that uh, workhorse back getting 28, 35 carries a game with, you know, a few exceptions where injuries or the game situation kind of are dictates that you give a running back that many carries. But, you know, if DJ Dallas gets eight touches a game between returns 
catches and runs, I think that he can be effective in the NFL. And again, also play on special teams. That's how Travis Homer got through his season, uh, a rookie year with a playoff team in Seattle. Uh, he was a beast on coverage and on specials, just like he was as a young player at Miami. And then at the end of the year, he actually started the season finale after, you know, Seattle had a bunch of injuries uh, or a few injuries at the running back position. So I think that, you know, DJ Dallas can be a guy who comes in, you know, catches 45 to 55 passes over the course of a season out of the backfield and just around, uh, you know, plays on specials, is a good locker room guy because he's a stand-up individual, uh, you know, and is a valued asset for their team moving forward, whoever that would be. Now, we also have a little extra news as far, and it, it may not affect the Canes as much as I, I may have thought in the beginning, but you have one Alonzo Highsmith who has parted ways with uh, the Cleveland Browns, as the whole staff has, and also their GM. So they're cleaned house there. So, But the, the thought process for a lot of Canes is that he would come in, and uh, I guess the thought process for one Blake James also was that he'd be a chief of staff, almost like a GM for, the, for a college team. I wasn't on board with that. Uh, as much in the beginning, Manny Diaz also wasn't. So I don't think that's probably happening now, but it was an interesting idea in the beginning. Yeah, it, it was. And, you know, the thing for me is, and I was talking with a friend of mine, AP Dirty Bird on Twitter, if you want to follow him, um, is basically the GM position would have been a human meat shield for the ire of the fan base for the Hurricanes being bad at football. Uh, I'm not going to say irrelevant because even, you know, any whiff of Miami on television does numbers, even this year. Um, so, yeah, you know, just the fact that the performance is poor and that person would be the person you would yell at as opposed to Blake James or Manny Diaz or whomever else. But, you know, what kind of actual say would that person have? And I get it from both sides. I get it from Manny Diaz pushing back on the idea of bringing in somebody over him in the organizational chart because Manny Diaz is of the mind, and I agree in his viewpoint, that look, if I'm the coach, my boss is the athletic director. I'm not reporting to anybody else as an interstitial. I'm not changing and adding a layer, or I'm not here to add a layer to the hierarchy where I report to this general manager person who reports to, like that doesn't make sense from the coach's standpoint. So I get where Manny Diaz reportedly pushing back on that comes from. I also get it on the opposite side from the athletic director side of things because you did not do what you needed to do in terms of coaching, developing, and implementing or uh, deploying your players. So I don't really care what your feelings are. I'm going to do whatever is necessary for this program, this organization to be better. And if that means I bring in a general manager who's overseeing you, then that's what I do. Um, so I can see it from both sides. I my my big pushback, and I'm going to cut this soliloquy a little bit shorter. But my my big pushback is this: if Blake James came out and said, and he did come out and say that instead of focusing on the general manager thing, we're going to look at offensive coordinator first, and then maybe look at some other things later. Where is your ability to multitask? Where is your ability to look at multiple things? at the same time, because life is not a single source event. There are multiple things going on at one time. You know, like you gotta, you know, there, there's just too many 
there's too many variables to being good or bad or, or running your program. And if you think that a general manager is one of those things, then you need to do that concurrently because you've empowered Manny Diaz to be the person who's leading the, uh, the OC search. So why could you then, as the athletic director, not look at bringing in a general manager? Why are you then subjugating what you believe or could possibly believe to be a fix for this program at the desire of one of your underlings, somebody who's a subordinate to you? It makes no sense to me. And that kind, and hearing that, it makes me think a little bit less of Blake James and say, oh, we cannot even look at this other thing because we have to find an offensive coordinator. If by we you mean that coach, then you, as the athletic director, you can do something else. And honestly, I mean, everybody's had a job before. You're not doing one thing only the entirety of your time. If you're in management, you got to deal with HR issues, you got to deal with uh, disciplinary issues, you got to deal with payroll, you got to deal with allocation, you got to do so many different things. You're not sitting here and looking at one paper and looking at one word or one sentence on that paper all day long. That's where I am a little upset. Yeah, very much uh, the same for me. It's like, I, I really, and I get it, athletic directors are over all of athletics, not just football. But when you're at a football school where you play a lot of football and a lot of the influence, granted the basketball, the women's basketball team, as well as the men's basketball team has had more success than the Canes have had in recent times. But nonetheless, football is what draws the fans in. You give your attention to football and guess what? That includes multitasking, not micromanaging. Those are two different things. And I think when I look at, when I think of a college head coach, I think that is he is the GM. He is the he wants the the point of coming to a, to being a at a, a major university and being the head coach. You buy the groceries, which are your uh, are your recruits. You also get to prepare those groceries by bringing in the right coaches. That is the point of that. You are in, why a lot of guys refuse to go to the NFL and they stay a la Nick Saban coming back and never going back again. David Shaw never leaving Stanford ever, probably never leaving again uh, to go back to the NFL in any capacity. They can, they can pick everything, do everything, and they can control everything. And that's they like that control factor versus having an owner or a GM tell them what to do, even if it's maybe a wrong decision. They still they can live and die by those decisions, and I get it, Manny Diaz. But if you're going to push back on that, and at least I think more so, if you would have put had a a consult a, a former player from it, it come in with a consultant role, maybe help him out, like how we talked about a couple, a few weeks ago, where we were saying Manny Diaz, maybe because he's a young coach and he doesn't have that experience and he doesn't have anyone to lean on maybe in player personnel or something similar to that. Maybe that may have been something, but to just basically give him a GM, a handler, mm. Blake James, you're not making, you're not endearing yourself to the fan base and you're definitely not, you're, you're driving a rift between your, uh, between you and your head coach. I would say actually that he's not endearing himself to the fan base because he did not go through with bringing in Alonzo Highsmith. I think it's more for the inaction than it would have been for the action of bringing him in. Honestly and truly. Like, who, what Canes fan do you know, yourself, myself, anybody, what Canes fan do you know who would have been more upset by adding Alonzo Highsmith to the athletic department? Yeah. Because I can't think of one. Yeah, I don't think I – I mean, the more help you can have, the merrier, because we need it. I mean – it, it is what it is. I mean, it's no, it's no disrespect to Manny Diaz. I mean, it'd be one thing if you had like 
Nick Saban or something. I would even I'd even go as far as if you had like a a guy like Elaine Kiffin and said, "Hey, we need a we need you to have a handler so you'll make the right decisions." Then that's like a slap in the face. But Manny Diaz, this is your first it, it's kind of like a it's kind of it's weird with him because he's been within the program so he should know how to run a program from from seeing how Mark Rick did it. And he should probably be leaning more on Mark Rick, who has success in the SEC at a top level program. Mark Rick chilling. <laughs> Mark Rick on TV. Can, hey man, if you have to, if you have to make that call, though, hey coach, I I got a decision to make. I I want your I want your advice. He could be that mentor type. But yeah, I see where you're going. He's chilling at the ACC Network too, so he he's chilling. He don't want any parts of this. He don't want no more smoke. So I get it. Um, but yeah, this, this handler situation, I think it's going to, there's more, there's going to be more to it down the road and we'll definitely kind of jump into it when we get more about that. But we have some, we have maybe a coaching update and we'll talk about that on the other side. All right. So we've been talking offensive coordinator for the, uh, a while since the bowl, really before the bowl game, because we all had this, I, this, this sneaky suspicion that one Danny knows was going to be fired. Thank you. God, I never root for people to be fired, but thank God. Um, but now with that empty position being having to be filled, um, the name some names have been surfacing: Larry Fedora, uh, Rhett Lashley, and uh, and David Yost. Those are the popular names that are being being thrown out there. Fedora, formerly of North Carolina, David Yost, offensive coordinator at Texas Tech, also Rhett Lashley, offensive coordinator at. Uh, SMU, where he had a pretty good year, and that's the name that we're kind of concentrating on today because Rhett Lashley has been well, reported. Well, before you go further, there was the Heckendorf guy from Arkansas State who's been mentioned also, and people keep asking me about um, Mark Helfrich, who was uh, with the Chicago Bears. Oregon Ducks, uh, too. That, and or, That's what I'm saying. And I said back in 2017, because uh, Mark Rick brought Helfrich down to consult for like a week or something. And I said, this is a guy who we should bring in as offensive coordinator and Mm -hmm. quarterbacks coach then for his work with Marcus Mariota and everything with the Ducks and all those things. And, you know, then he went to the NFL and then now he's available again. And Manny Diaz has said that he's spoken to seven or eight college and NFL guys. So there's that. Also, as well, in addition, Bruce Feldman put up an article about uh, NFL assistants who might make the leap to being a college uh, coordinator um, in the Joe Brady kind of a way to take what they've learned at the NFL level and Mm -hmm. then impact college teams. Of course, the conversation immediately went to Ken Dorsey for Miami. Mm -mm, He was Cam Newton's quarterback's coach uh, in his MVP season, by the way, Super Bowl season. Uh, Super Bowl appearance season. They they lost that game. Uh, he's also working with Josh Allen in Buffalo and took him from bad to, I mean, he's about to have a 3,000-yard season. He's looking more and more like an actual quarterback. You know, his performance is improving as well. Mm-hmm. So before we went in any further with Rhett Lashley, which I know that we're going to, I just wanted to also note those other three names as guys who have been uh, discussed at some level or another. Definitely. And um, when I look at SMU, uh, the one thing I, I have to say, SMU, they are an air raid team. See, I remember Rhett Lashley when he was at 
Auburn. And that's what I thought when I've heard when I'm thinking Rhett Lashley because the infrastructure for SMU was already put in place with Sonny Dykes and his air raid system. And when we say air raid, you think Mike Leach instantly. There are so many disciples, whether it's Dana Holgerson, whether it's Kevin Sumlin, which he was he's not an offensive guy to me. Uh, He I mean, he's a he's more of the CEO type. Uh, But you have the David Yost of the world. Uh, You can I mean, even the the Gundys of the world, these guys all kind of took this system and they've evolved it in so many different ways. There's really the original air raid system isn't really a thing anymore where you're throwing 60 times a game. They've really evolved it now where it's more, it's more of a balanced game. You still keep a lot of the same concepts, those mesh concepts Uh, you keep where that's the base of the offense. It's really just crossing routes uh, and option routes. But if we really want to get X's and O's crazy with it. But when I think of, Rhett Lashley, I think back to his Auburn days, and they didn't do a lot of that. It was more run-based, which Auburn has always been since Gus Malzahn was there, has always been a run-based offense. And that's great. There's a lot of motion involved. It's really just for the old people, the old I won't say old people, the older crowd uh, out there. If you guys remember the wing tee and the, 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 the veer offenses that Texas ran back in the day, it's just the same concept done out of shotgun. So and you've added in RPOs and all this other thing, all these other things that you that college football is now. So you could be getting two things here. I'm not opposed to maybe a passing game coordinator and then having a offensive coordinator that that may be a run based kind of guy, a la kind of how Clemson did things. Um, that wouldn't be too outlandish. I mean, LSU did it as well, and it was very successful. Joe Brady is not their offensive coordinator. Let's not get that confused. He's their passing game coordinator, and there's a difference between that position and actually calling plays. It's a it's a totally different dynamic. Yeah, but I will say it to you like this then. If you do – and Joe Brady coaches their wide receivers as well. Also, yes. So, I mean, he is a position coach as well as their passing game coordinator. Steve Ensminger is their offensive coordinator who calls plays. I will say like this then. If you bring in two people to run the offense, who's going to go? And it's probably going to have to be on defense because you have an extra coach over there. You got Manny. You got Stroud at D-line. You got um, Blake Baker, defensive coordinator and linebackers. Then you got... Rump at uh, corners and Bonda at safety. And then Manny Diaz, who's a defensive coach also, so he, like, factors into that. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, you have – you split the secondary and with two coaches there. That's probably where it's going to have to go. Can I, so, can I be honest with you? Can I, can I just, just – and I know this one, he's a – I guess he's a favorite, but Blake Baker, if you – Blake Baker's the one guy I'm okay with saying – Kick the tires, it's gone. It's over with. It's cool. I get it. But I already have the guy that can do your job. And I'm never I've never been opposed to a coach saying, look, I'm the CEO of the program. I coach my position group, or I'm calling plays on defense. So Manny Diaz, go back to doing what you did best. You're the defensive coordinator. You have your fingerprints all over the defense. Go hire somebody to run your offense. Leave offense completely alone. You're the guy that can – you're the ultimate, hey, it's fourth and one, and and this is situational football. We'll make a decision here as a group, and I ultimately have final say. 
that's, I mean, quite honestly, that's the Nick Saban model. That's the that's the Dabo Sweeney model. It works. Don't don't try to reinvent the wheel. Do what you do best, and let others that are strong where you're not do their job. Yeah, but you know what? It works because Dabo is Dabo and Nick is Nick. And I think that we've already been we've seen throughout the course of this year that Manny Diaz is neither of them. So I'm not going to say okay. Just do what they do because it works for them. Buddy, you ain't them. Sorry. For me, uh, I think I think I'd be willing to go that route. Only be and I've seen it work. Uh was it it was actually Will Muschamp when he was at Florida and it actually worked. Uh I think Will Muschamp burned out at Florida because the offense just didn't, he went through too many offensive coordinators, whether it was Charlie Weiss and others. Uh, was it Dean Pease? I think also he went to, he's with the Ravens now, uh, or he was with the Ravens for a while. When you're yeah, going through Greg Roman over there, Greg now. Roman's there now. So yeah, you've had multiple, you've had, you have multiple coordinators go through that, through that program. That's when it becomes a problem. Uh, but I'm okay with a guy saying, look, I, I know what my strength is. My understanding your strengths, understanding your weaknesses, complementing those weaknesses with other coordinators that can do the job. Um, you're not giving them; they're not. They have no autonomy over you. But at the end of the day, it's simply put: go run the offense, leave me alone, do your job. We don't fire you. That's pretty much how that works, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, but you know, he tried some of that this year, and it didn't go well. And that's why he's like, okay. I was letting everybody do their thing, you know, as a CEO. I was letting Enos do the offense. I was looking more over there because it needed to be better. Uh, and spoiler alert, it was worse than last year. Um, and I let Blake Baker run the defense. But, you know, we talk about these culture or accountability or whatever issues on defense. And he said, nope, I got to get back in the trenches. I got to go back over there. And then he left Enos to his own devices throughout the rest of the season and Will I mean, you can see that the offensive performance declined throughout the course of this season. So, mm, I don't know. But it just, you got to. You have to keep experimenting. I, you, you do have to keep experimenting, but there's but only. You have to, but you have to do it with. With, with the I right mean, guys. Not even with the right guys, but with, with some kind of foundation, logically, of mm-hmm. what you're doing. It can't just be, okay, you know, I'm an eight-year-old kid and I got. Um, left home for the first time by myself and I'm trying to cook something and the kitchen's on fire well okay let's do something else just because I'm going to try something else because the kitchen's on fire like no you got to have an idea of what you're doing and I don't know that he does Manny Diaz that is like it's just again the, the point that really proves this to me is you come in as a defensive coordinator, you say, uh, clearly, we're going to do things differently. We're going to do things better. We're going to play Miami football on the defensive side of the ball. And you do that for years at a championship caliber level on defense. Then you become the head coach and say, okay, we're going to do things in an appropriate way. You lose to Florida in a close one in the opener where you had plenty of time to prepare. You have an extra bye week before North Carolina. You lose to a bad team. You have a bye week before Virginia Tech. You turn the ball over four times in the first 13 snaps and go down four touchdowns, and then you lose to a bad team. You lose to Georgia Tech with eight days after beating Virginia on a short week, and then you lose to uh, FIU after a bye week, and then you lose again after uh, interim time in the bowl game to Louisiana Tech. 
And P.S. By the way, as we're recording this now, there's but one team in the country who got shut out in their bowl game. I'll give you zero dollars if you guess who that is. <laughs> so every time you say, and and for all these bye weeks, you went and said, we're going to do things differently because it didn't work. We're going to do things differently this time because it didn't work last time. We're going to do things differently. You just went and are haphazardly trying to do things differently, and the performance continues to decline. I'm not going to sit here and trust him. No, like I've seen what Manny Diaz left to his own devices to figure it out looks like. He needs help, and I don't know where that help is going to come from because the only two people on the staff previously who had been head coaches were Todd Stroud and Dan Enos, and you just fired half of those guys. It's going to be a very interesting thing with this whole coaching search. Uh, I think it's going to. I think Miami should probably. I would lean on the on the side of take your time and, and make sure you're making your next move your best move because your next move. Uh, if it's not your best move, could end up getting you fired. Uh, oh yeah, no, he, he, he'll, he'll be out. Of it. Like you know, he, you, you got the one. You know, okay, you tried that. You went that way. He was going to be the coach of Alabama. Where the f is Dan? Uh, you know, Nick Saban screaming after we hired him away, and then it went terribly poor. That was your one. And yeah, okay, that happened to be in your first time as a head coach in the first year of you ever being a head coach. But that was your one, Manny. Like, you got to nail this one, otherwise you're gone. And it's interesting because you see all these coaches now getting fired in year two at all these places. Yes, college teams, college a, uh, programs are saying, look, we can kick the tires on a guy that we've already had here yep. in place. We, we're going to kick the tires on him and move on versus keeping a guy around for five to seven years, burying the program, having to rebuild the program. It takes almost a decade or longer to rebuild the program. Hey, Tennessee, I'm talking to you. Um, mm-hmm. Shots fired. You fired Phil Fulmer at the height of his – I'm, I'm getting off track. Um, but, yeah, uh, you can't do that. And th- these teams, they're very much taking the NFL model of things. We'll just – we'll pay you off and you can go away. Willie Taggart too. Uh, so, they, that model works. But, to, it can work. It can be very yeah, expensive, but, I mean, but it can work. It will be expensive, but I applaud them for the pursuit of excellence. Willie Taggart – Again, do I think that he could have been fired or should have been fired? Yes. Do I think that he should have been fired first out of anybody who was a second-year coach uh, in that class that got hired two years ago at their jobs? No. But he gets fired. Arkansas buddy uh, Chad Morris gets fired. Um, Who else was a second-year coach who just got fired? Missouri. Missouri. Um, Uh, No, Barry Odom wasn't a second. He was – he's been there a few years. He's been there a couple years. Okay, yeah, but he's been, there were he's been there long. There enough. were plenty couple who the administrations of their fine institutions said, you know what? Nah, nope, never mind. We're just gonna nope, 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 nope. Actually, Joe Moorhead is actually getting in the process of getting fired right now. So no, no, he it, it's yeah, exactly. It, it's done. And deal. He's another one. Yeah, right. it's a done deal. They, they were excited about him. So at Mississippi State. So yeah, I can well see. they were year one, but then you know he wants to be contentious, and they're calling him that damn Yankee. Or whatever. SEC said, you know, schools don't play his, around. <laughs> he said, oh, his, they're his yank ass. And he said, well, you can take my – or I'm the guy for this program and you can uh, have it when you throw my Yankee ass out. Oh, well then, okay. And I applaud the fact that the focus, the singular focus on excellence dictates that if we know concretely this ain't it, this is not the guy, we're not going to spend other time – if trying to re reevaluate a situation that we already have come to a conclusion about. If I know in year two that this ain't it, 
buddy, you got to go. And this is why I appreciate what Manny Diaz did this year with Dan Enos, because he could have just said, you know what, maybe it needs a little bit more time. Just like I'm figuring it out, Dan was figuring it out, we're all going to work together and develop moving forward. Da, 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 da. No, he made the correct, I believe, value judgment and said, look, Miami Hurricanes plus Dan Enos equals false. Get out. But if Manny Diaz doesn't get this higher right and this offense doesn't look like, hey, if this offense doesn't resemble what we had during the Al Golden era, which I would like give a lot of money to have back, if it doesn't resemble something that is, and if, even if you're listening, say, oh, you know, it shouldn't be like the Dan, or the the Al Golden offense. First of all, go back and look at the numbers. Second of all, I get that you pushing back on that just because of the whole Al Golden thing. Fine. If this offense doesn't look better in 2020, if Miami has not made gigantic leaps and bounds forward and has another season such as this, that's Manny Diaz's job, and he knows that. That's why he cannot get this higher on. This will be a very interesting next, I don't know, 12 to 15 months. Uh, 17. I'll give him 17. Uh, Why? Uh, 17 months is next June. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, this will be a very interesting 12 to 15 months. And quite honestly, um, I don't want to make any kind of prediction on it but I don't I'm I don't I'm going in with a glass half empty approach right now because quite honestly I just don't have any confidence in what this coaching staff and my head coach is doing right now don't don't kill me for it but it is what it is you are a leopard doesn't change his spots and people are people don't change that much I mean they just don't especially football coaches they're coaches of they're people of habit and it is what it is. So we'll definitely see what happens with that. Uh, before we get out of here and kind of put a bow on this this first episode of the new year, we're kind of gonna we're gonna just kind of give a a little bit of a crystal ball into what you guys can expect going into the into the twenty twenty year on the other side. All right. So Kim, we have we've put twenty nineteen behind us, and we have a lot in store for going forward with. Uh, the Locked on Canes podcast. As you guys may know, we kind of got dropped into the middle of a season. And that was very awkward for for myself in the beginning. Uh, you as well, Cam, because, I mean, it's you get dropped into a four and four season. It, it's kind of, it's a, it's a thing. It's like, um, what do we do? And we just kind of had to navigate it as we went. And it was a very interesting twists and turns throughout because we, we had a oh, we got a chance kind of moment, and then it was like, oh, nah, never mind. But now we have a full season to kind of prepare for you guys and bring some things to you guys. So first off, social media. We are we need we need you guys to get back on that social media thing really hard. So we need to get you right now. We're closing in on about 200 followers. We need you guys to get us to about 500. And by the way, we're going to we're going to give you a little incentive. So that five that person that makes it to that 500 mark, you make it to five, you're the 500th follower. You will have a chance to co-host with us for one show. We'll be able we'll give you the more details soon to come. Make sure well, you, someone in that five within that 500 within that 500. Yes, we'll be randomly selecting one of you guys to come on and come come talk canes with us for a show and that can entail a lot of different things you'll kind of help us prepare for the show and see how the inner workings go so you'll be inside the inside the organization a little bit also we'll be talking a lot of recruiting we have a national signing day coming up again the official one we also have the spring game we have you know we have we will be talking a lot of uh, we want your opinion what do you guys want to see 
from this show. You guys are what drive the show, right, Cam? You know, we're just we're just the facilitators. We're the we're the quarterback. We're just we're just throwing dimes. I mean, we're doing what Nikosi and Tate can't do. Um, ease up off my boy Nikosi first. Of hey, all. Hey, hey, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, man, you know, like I've always said in, in pretty much every industry that I've worked that, you know, and even when I played basketball, I was mainly a quarterback or a, a point guard, you know, a, a facilitator. I want to see everybody else get buckets, you know, and like we are, you know, in that kind of position where, you know, like we are on the other side of that because, you know, the fans out there, you know, like I know that you guys listen and a lot of you or some of you guys do, uh, you know, reach out to us and the show and everything on Twitter. Uh, and then our job is to come in here and just be the bucket getters because, you know, you've set us up in such a great situation. So we'd love to hear from you guys and, you know, just continue to try to give you, uh, you know, the show that uh, you want to hear and make sense for you guys. So, as we said, we will be bringing a lot of new content to you guys. We'll be doing some lists. I know list season is a thing, and we want you guys to participate with us. So make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Locked on Canes. Again, you can give Cam all the smoke at Underwood Sports. You can give myself all the smoke you want to give him as well at Fred Purdue CFB. Also, IG, for you, guys, for you visual folks, for you guys that love the pictures, uh, make sure you go follow us on IG at Locked on Canes as well. Uh, I've got a lot of followership over there, so make sure you guys go keep following us, comment, subscribe to us. Uh, Cam, I mean, we're everywhere, man. We are everywhere, and that means that you should find us on your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podomatic, um, any of those other ones. Uh, iTunes, uh, I think that's Apple Music now because iTunes, uh, they, they phase that out. But whichever way that you listen to the show, like, subscribe, give us five stars because we give you this five-star content multiple times a week. We will definitely be all over the canes throughout the throughout the going in throughout 2020 and beyond. So you guys make sure you stay tuned for Cam. I'm Fred. This is the Locked On Canes podcast. It's all about the you and we are out.